Welcome to Q&A Selling Online with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today we have with us a recession expert, traction implementer, a speaker, and the best-selling author of Rock the Recession. He coaches high-growth leadership teams across the United States and implements the entrepreneurial operating system. He was also a valedictorian of his graduating class with the highest GPA ever in the history of Shaker Heights High School. And he was voted the next Bill Gates and the least likely to lose his virginity. We have with us Jonathan Slane. Jonathan, how's it going? How's it going? Thanks for having me on the show, dude. Really great to be here. Oh, man, it's a pleasure to have you here. And I want to start with um, your high school mates. Did they get it right about Bill Gates <laughs> and your virginity? Well, I, like we were talking about uh, before we hit record here, uh, I have a seven and a nine-year-old. So yes to the, uh, the virginity <laughs> piece and then working on the next Bill Gates piece right now. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, you also have you, you are a best-selling book, which is uh, Rock the Recession. And it came out at the perfect time, from what I believe. And this was towards towards the end of 2019. And now we're going through COVID. So, I mean, there was like perfect timing for your book. Uh, was it? Of course, it wasn't done on purpose because you you didn't know this was happening. Yeah, I, Quinn, I, I think the, the idea here is that in September of 2019, when we released the book, um, Paul and I, my co-author, we were sure that there would be a recession in 2020. Um, did many um, shows, you know, was on um, Fox talking about that, um, but thought it was for much different reasons. Obviously, Paul and I didn't predict uh, that we would have uh, the first pandemic virus uh, that we've had in a uh, hundred years. But when we were looking at the fundamentals in the economy, we did see uh, warning signs and so thought we would have a recession in 2020. That's why we put the book out in September of 19 so that companies, um, whether they're small entrepreneurs that are just getting going or um, you know, multi-billion dollar corporations would have a roadmap for how do you look forward to a recession. You know, Paul and I didn't wanna just regurgitate the conventional wisdom on recessions, which is just fire everybody and cut all your expenses and try to survive. We wanted to add something new to the conversation about how you could actually rock the recession and thrive in the great opportunities that a downturn brings. So why do you think I should look forward to, to the next recession? Is there like looking for opportunity in the chaos? Is that it? Well, I, yeah, there's, there's a lot of specific pieces, but you know, recessions come around once every seven to 10 years um, since World War II in the US. Mm -hmm. And so they don't happen often. Obviously, it's been about a decade since the Great Recession in the United States. And so here we are again, um, about 10 years later with this opportunity. Uh, the, the thought, though, is that the, the, it's part that there are opportunities in the chaos, but it's also, you know, three months ago, everybody um, that I was talking to that owned a business uh, was talking about how tough it was to find good people. Right. Unemployment was at record lows. And so, you know, couldn't find talent. Um, there were no A players available to hire or to work with. And now fast forward a few short months and we've got record um, unemployment the other way. We've got 40 million people recently unemployed uh, in the U.S. And so that means there are a lot of A players. And so I think for the companies 
uh, that can pounce right now, that can't hire that top talent, there's lots of huge opportunities for them to be big winners uh, coming out of this recession as we as we recover. Absolutely. I know earlier you said you mentioned how um, you were interviewed by Fox Business. I also saw that you were like uh, Yahoo Finance and Forbes and all those that like did they approach you when, when this happened and your book came out? So the, those drafts were when the book came out, we did a publicity tour to, to announce the book and to talk mm -hmm. about it on different um, talk shows and events. Um, at this point, um, I think it's probably time for another round of interviews so that we can talk through how does it change for a coronavirus recession. Mm -hmm. uh, usually with a recession, you've got some time. The economy uh, slowly goes into a recession. This is uh, a very unique situation, obviously, where we just dropped right into it, right? It's like one day the bottom falls out, yeah. all of a sudden we're uh, forced to shelter in place uh, at home. And so we dropped right down into recession without any warning. Um, and now, you know, I, I, one thing I may have screwed up is that probably should have called the book Dodge the Depression instead of Rock the Recession. I really think that uh, this one is going to actually be a much deeper economic disturbance, and we're not just going to bounce right out of it. And so not saying that to be um, chicken little, um, not saying it uh, to create um, fear, but for the audience, I think it's just we need to get our heads around that um, the economy isn't just going to turn back on like a faucet. Mm -hmm. You know, it is going to slowly have to build pressure back up to get back to where we were back in January of this year. Yeah, I, I see that people probably believe that it is Uh, like the faucet. Okay, is because I often hear people ask, so is Corona over? Can we just go back to normal? And yeah. deep down, I know it's not going to be like that. You're not going to just open it and go back to normal. Yeah, I so maybe um, I, it's, it's not going to be like a light switch. I think that's what I meant to say. You're not just going to flip it and all of a sudden it comes right back on. Mm -hmm. um, it could be more like a faucet where, you know, it starts as a trickle and then um, it, it comes back more and more. The, the reason I bring it up, one of the things we talk about um, is in the book is the phases of grief. So, right, you, I, I think the audience, you may have heard of this model before, but when we have... Um, a new uh, shocking event happened. We experienced it in, in several phases of, of grief. So the first thing is there's shock, and then there's disbelief, and then we work through our anger at the situation, and then ultimately we get to bargaining and acceptance of the new normal. Yes. And I, right now, most of the people I talk to are still in those earlier phases of grief. So they're still, you know, can't believe what's going on. And every day, it seems like, you know, it just, it, it gets worse before it gets better. Right now, when we're recording this, we're in the middle of the riots and the protests that are going on. And so people, I, I don't think, have had time to process, um, to even get used to the new normal um, and to bargain with how that's going to be and then accept that there will be a new normal. It's easier to just be pissed off about the situation, to be angry, and maybe not face up to the fact that we are going to have to wear masks for a while. We are going to have to wait for a vaccine to be developed. We are going to have to wait until we build up immunity um, in the population. So I think the audience has probably heard this from plenty of places. Um, what I'm more excited to talk to is in the interim, if you are a business owner or leader, how can you prepare to rock um, this recession that we're all in? You know what? I think you missed one of the stages there, Jonathan, the conspiracy stage. <laughs> exactly. <You know? laughs> yeah. Because that seems to be the, the new trend that everything that comes out, there's always a conspiracy conspiracy around it. 
And I mean, it, it could be true, but it also could just be a, a conspiracy, uh, you know, how this, how the thing started and all that. And that's, uh, that comes before the anger, right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah, no, I like that. I think uh, we need to update that, um, the, the model uh, to include that piece. I think for the audience, though, there's like, so if you're, um, you know, wondering, you know, if you're just a beginning entrepreneur, for example, and you haven't gotten into your first business, um, uh, but recently you lost your main uh, job, or you really want to focus on your side hustle now and make it your main hustle since um, we are in a recession. Um, it's thinking about, can you talk to the bank and let them know what kind of assets or equipment you'd like to buy? Because right now, there are great deals available. So for example, if you've always wanted to start a restaurant, I am confident that there will be plenty of opportunities to start a restaurant for very cheap and to take advantage of what's coming and to really think through how you can reimagine a restaurant um, in a way that is COVID friendly, for example. So how can you focus more on touchless delivery on what um, the market is going to want from a takeout experience going forward? because I don't think it's just going to, uh, to bounce right back. Exactly. Um, and, and so I think it's being opportunistic about that. But then if you want to start um, a business where, let's say you want to start a brewery, and so you need some of those big expensive stainless steel tanks, then it's having the conversations with the bank to let them know the kind of equipment you're interested in, so that when they do have to foreclose on another business that has those, that they can call you and say, you know, hey, Quinn, you know, we know that you're looking to start this kind of business. If you can send us a cashier's check, um, then the tanks will be yours. Because what I do know from the last recession is banks don't want to own big, heavy pieces of equipment. They don't want to store it. They don't want to have to get it appraised. They don't want to have to have an auctioneer sell it and then um, they pay the commission. It's a big pain. That's not uh, the business banks are in. So if you're smart now, if you can let the banks know what type of equipment you're interested in, then they will call you and give you great deals. Um, and so I think that's one very tactical thing uh, that business owners can do to get ready for this next recession. Uh, man, that, that's fantastic advice and something that I actually hadn't thought of. Uh, but I mean, it's something that I got to start looking into because I focus, I try to focus more on the online side of things. But I know that right now the, the physical locations, the retail spaces are like restaurants are the ones that are having the, the major difficulties. And like you said, uh, taking advantage of, of this situation is not really taking advantage of the people, right? Because if there is a foreclosure, there is a foreclosure, right? You can take advantage of that situation. You're not taking advantage of the person. Just just making that part clear so the people listening know that that's not what we're talking about here. Well, and, and I know we, but before we start, we were talking about um, how, you know, in, I don't know if the audience, I know most of the audience probably is listening to us while they're on the treadmill, um, but if they want to check out the video, then I was showing you how, for me, part of the recession plan um, was to flip my guest bedroom into a production studio. That helps me with all of my consulting gigs and all of my podcasts that I'm filming. Um, and so I'm showing um, a, a live feed right now of what the studio looks like. But for me, um, a lot of this equipment I was able to get for relatively cheap because um, I know that there are a lot of other people that don't need equipment right now that wanna sell it. And so again, I think um, if the audience is on top of it, that's one of the benefits that comes in a recession. So we, you know, we talked through, you can hire people now that weren't available just a few months ago. Um, and also you can get cheap assets. And I think the, the other one I wanted to hit on 
um, before we move on, um, Quinn, is just, you know, this, this recession could not have come at a worse time for baby boomers. So I think a lot of baby boomers were just about to retire. You know, the economy was doing so well that they wanted to hang on for one more year, mm -hmm. maybe two more years and bank a little bit more in their retirement. Um, and then boom, you know, this happens, the bottom falls out. And now I think that a lot of boomers will probably just want to sell their business as opposed to having to go through a whole nother economic cycle. I don't know if they'll want to dig in and spend the next three to seven years rebuilding their business. So the opportunity for the audience is if you have um, boomer friends that own businesses, is there a way for you to buy that company from them or to partner with them or to take it over over time? It doesn't have to be a huge cash outlay, uh, but if you have a friend that has built a great online business like you have, and maybe they don't want to keep supporting it, then over time, um, you could work your way into owning that business. I think a lot of deals like that are going to be made here in the next six to 18 months uh, to give people the opportunity to retire. I think you hit the nail on the head and uh, about the, the one more year because my mom was um, uh, in retirement uh, stage and she wants to put in one more year. And that's yeah. exactly it. Right? So one, this is, it was supposed to be the last year and uh, it didn't work that way. But anyway, before uh, you mentioned how, uh, about your studio, and for those of you that are not watching, uh, Jonathan's studio uh, makes me, it made me feel like such an amateur because that is like, a, I mean, a perfect setup. And what he has done there is like, it's, I'm envious of it. I wish I was that savvy to have all that stuff. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Jonathan, Oh, I mentioned earlier in the interview, um, in the intro, about the entrepreneurial operating system. What exactly is this technique? You're an expert in, in that. That's what it's called. Uh, just a different name for it, too. What is it? Yeah, so it's, it's a system of doing strategic planning for your company, whether you're just starting out or you're a million-dollar company or a $5 million or a $500 million business. Every quarter, you're getting together uh, with your leadership team and just thinking through where you want to take the company. So what are your core values? What's your core focus as a company? What's your 10-year target, your three-year picture to get there, the one-year plan goals that you have, and, and what are you going to do this quarter? I just call it rocks. What rocks are you going to accomplish to move yourself towards um, making that one-year plan come to fruition, bringing that three-year picture into focus, and making sure that you hit your 10-year target? Uh, and I, you know, you can do this um, on your own if you're just starting out. Um, and there's a book, um, Traction, by Gino Wickman that I recommend is a great starting point. And then as your company grows, if you want to hire a consultant like me that can come in and help give perspective, uh, since I'm helping 20 different companies through the process at any given time, then that's cool too. Um, but really, um, for companies that are having a tough time in this recession, that, are, um, that aren't uh, you know, dodging the downturn, um, but um, having a hard time, I think that's a great starting point, is to use this time, use this downturn to reevaluate the company, to get yourself core values, and then to figure out how you can rock the recovery. So if you're not able to rock the recession, then at least use this time to get your head right and rock the recovery. And remember that in, de in, in recessions and depressions, lots of great companies um, get started. So I think that's part of the message too. I was just looking uh, in prep for our, our show here. I was looking at a list of companies that started in the last recession 
It's yeah. like Spotify, Square, um, Facebook, right after uh, the Great Recession, um, Uber. A lot of great companies um, can turn um, those lemons into lemonade. So hopefully um, we've got people in the audience that, that are working on the same. And is it possible to to write a recession plan and maybe a recovery plan? So, you know, if you've been hit strong by, by the, the recession, uh, should you have a plan ready for when, I mean, when the, the tap gets turned back on, uh, should you have a plan ready and, and kind of what should be in that plan? Yeah, what I'm thinking right now is that everybody should have an emergency break is what I call it. So um, before you can rock the recession, before you can hit the accelerator and go 100 miles an hour, then I would always have your emergency break in case you get up to speed and it's not working. You mm -hmm. want to know that you have that in place. So what that looks like to me, um, and you know, we lay all this out um, in the book, is that you've got four tiers. And so if you're a business and you're used to doing a million dollars a year in revenue and you start to see your revenue slide to 900,000, then you would activate tier one of your emergency break plan. What would be the expenses you would cut? Who would be the people that you would free up from the company in order to make sure that you can survive and break even? If you saw your revenue sliding to 800,000, what would be the additional expenses you'd cut and who would be the people you'd free up? And you wanna have that down to four different layers, with that tier four being really, you know, maybe it's you were a million dollar company and the smallest you can imagine is getting down to 200,000 and that would require you and one other person from your team to stay on. It's just easier to have that plan put together in the cool rational light of day mm -hmm. than in the heat of the night when things get emotional. It's a lot easier to, to pivot to your plan, you know, to calmly walk over and break the glass and to take your plan out and execute it rather than trying to have to put that plan together when you've got people crying at your door because they're not sure if they're going to be the next one to get fired and they're scared um, and they're worried. Yeah, you know, I, I really like that approach. And, you know, you, you mentioned how sometimes we have to free up people from the business and so the business will survive. A lot of people, when they, when they hear um, such thing being said, they think, well, you're all about the money, you're not about the people. But... I, I often refer them to, there was a scene in the Mad Max movie. I don't know if you know the Mad Max movie, but there was a guy that was handcuffed to a motorcycle that was burning. And he said, you either cut your arm off or basically you die. And that's what it is, right? Because if you try to do it all and without cutting the costs and cutting some people, the whole business can implode. And now everybody is out. It's not just a little few. Right, so. Yeah, and I, I hope that the pain of going through this exercise will make it so that the audience never gets to tier four, because yes. you'll fight like hell to make sure that you never have to do it. But you need to have a plan. And look, the, when we were um, writing the book, we were reading all the academic research that's been written on recessions. And one of the studies um, that I really love showed that uh, your, your people that work for you, your employees, want to know um, what the plan is, and they don't trust leaders that don't have a plan, mm -hmm. and they actually do better even if the plan is negative. So even if you tell your employees, which I don't think a lot of leaders do because they're scared to say, hey, you know what, Quinn, if we ever get down to 500,000 um, in revenue, then we're going to have to free you up. You know, the business at that level wouldn't be able to support your position. Leaders don't want to say that because they're worried that people uh, will then just quit or they'll yeah. be uh, angry. But, you know, 
being able to have that conversation then lets you know that at least I'm thinking about the future and that I have a plan and that I'm going to fight like hell to make sure we never get there. But if we do, that I'll be transparent with you and that I'll be authentic. And now you can go home and have a conversation with your spouse to let them know, hey, listen, if our company got to half its size, I wouldn't have a role there. And so we need to have a backup plan for us. And I know that that's a tough conversation to have, but I think it's much better than, hey, you know what, Quinn? Um, uh, unfortunately, today's your last day because we just yeah. can't afford to have you anymore. So really appreciate everything you've done for us. I wish it wasn't this way, uh, but good luck. Yeah. So I think you just have to ask yourself what you want for your employees, what the most loving thing is that you can do. And if you feel that it's just to fire them the same day uh, that you have to without any heads up, then that's your business as a leader. My, um, what I'm trying to get across to the audience though is having that tough conversation up front aligns everybody so that you can um, make sure that you never get to that point, if at all possible. Yeah, I love it. love it. The transparency, the honesty, and giving them the heads up, not just, hey, by the way, it's today that you're done, right? It's okay. Yeah. There's a good chance that within the, the next few weeks, so they can prepare. they can prepare. Now, Jonathan, is there such thing as being recession-proof? For sure. I, there are definitely, if we think through different industries that do well in recessions and industries that get crushed, we can go back and look at the data we have uh, from the Great Recession, for example. So um, industries uh, that did not do well in the Great Recession, travel and tourism, not a good place to be positioned in a recession. Uh, jewelry stores, um, also not a great place to be positioned in a recession. Um, but if you look on the other side of the ledger, Guns and ammo tend to do very well in recessions. Uh, if you look at uh, basic industries, so grocery stores um, do well in recessions. Um, veterinary clinics. So might not think about it, but um, people still pay for their pets regardless of what's going on in a downturn. And then right now, I think with coronavirus, I was just looking at um, statistics. Everybody's adopting a dog right now. Um, everybody's adopting cats. Shelters um, are at record lows, I believe, with how many pets they have in inventory because people want um, the safety and the comfort of having uh, an animal at home with them right now. And I think people are just bored. They need something yeah. to do at home. So if you slow down, my point, Quinn, is that if you slow down and you think through what industries are going to get a tailwind because of coronavirus, then I think you can position yourself to um, rock the recession. Um, also, I was reading... Another weird one is tortilla manufacturing. So apparently tortillas are cheap food. They're very popular right now. Um, so if you can somehow figure out a way to help build the machinery that tortilla companies need or to help them build their facilities or to train um, the workers that they have, those can all be very nice niche businesses that will have a tailwind that will make it easier for you instead of trying to fight into the headwinds that you're facing if you're trying to sell to uh, retail right now. Um, bricks and mortar, very tough place to be positioned right now. I don't think that's going to come back um, uh, very soon. Um, restaurants, very tough. I think, you know, again, when I said earlier that uh, I should have called the dodge the depression, I think the difference between a recession and depression is, listen, a depression alters the social fabric. And so I think what we're seeing right now is that people aren't just going to go back to restaurants um, in the same way. I think they're going to be skittish about it for quite a long time. So knowing that, how can you um, how can you position yourself as an entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. And uh, do you think the uh, coronavirus is here 
to stay for a little bit longer? Is this almost over? Do you have any opinion on that? Yeah, unfortunately, I think it's a long time. So we're, um, we're filming right now, uh, or we're recording this in June of 2020. I think it'll be at least a year until we really get to a new normal. I think it's going to take at least that long for us to start to have a vaccine available. And then even once we do have a vaccine, um, I think through the logistics of getting 8 billion people to have the vaccine, um, that's going to be complicated. <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's not just vaccinating the U.S., um, but we have to really vaccinate um, a lot of the entire world population. So, you know, this vaccine will have to be something that doesn't have to be refrigerated. Um, it'll have to be something that will be easy to ingest. And, and so it's, mm. this, is, um, this is a big issue that we're going to be facing for a while, unfortunately. And I think there's going to be a lot of fight to receive the vaccine since the, the, that conspiracy that uh, Bill Gates has microchips into the vaccine that's going to, uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are not going to want it because of that. Uh, I'm not saying that it's true or not true. I, I really, I don't know. But there, there, I, I believe there's going to be a lot of uh, pushback from some people that don't want to get it too. I'm sure that there there will be, and I think that we're um, so for the audience though. I the first step for anybody uh, listening to us is really to just benchmark where you stand. Um, so you want to know, you want to assess versus everyone else out there how well positioned you are for this recession. And so Paul and I um, put up a website at recession.com, and yes, that really is our website. Um, but there we've got a quick 20 question um, survey and it'll give you a recession readiness score from zero to 100. And so you can know how ready you are for the COVID recession. And it, it's free, um, so I should mention that too. But we've collected um, you know, 1,500 responses so far, and we're seeing an average score of 62. So if the audience wants to go take that at recession.com, if you get over a 62, you're doing better than average and lower than 62, um, like we talked about earlier, I would start with getting that book traction um, and my book, of course, and then um, start there with um, using those to help you guide getting yourself personally ready for the recession as well as your company. And you know what? I checked your website earlier and I was, I was, I mean, it blew my mind. You have recession.com, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, so recession.com was either a perfect find for you or a big investment. Uh, uh, it was an investment. Yes. Okay. It and was about, uh, it was two years ago uh, that Paul and I were working on the book. Uh, and so we were able to, uh, to we, we bought um, recession.com uh, as well as recessionproof.com. Nice. Did it get to six figures deal or? No, it was not a six uh, figures deal. And, and by the way, I love the header on your website, that video header. Uh, that's, Fantastic. Cool. And then Thank you. Th through the middle of the page, I was actually playing a little bit. There's this floating beach ball over the audience and I can move it with the mouse. <laughs> so well, we want it to be like a rock concert because we called it rock the recession. And also, I think, you know, the, the thing is, is that this topic is tough. I mean, um, talking about recessions um, is a tough topic. So we also wanted to have some fun with it. We wanted to bring some levity. Um, so hopefully when people see the site, uh, brings them some joy, a little bit of a smile, um, because we don't want it to be all depressing. It's not about how you could cut um, and cut and cut and fire people just to, to survive. We really want people to hear that message of, you know, use this as an opportunity to thrive. There has never been a better time to be an entrepreneur. 
There are so many different ways um, to reimagine the world. Uh, as we move in with your specialty of helping out, um, you know, with selling online, I think you're ideally positioned um, and that the audience, you know, I need your help figuring that out um, because it is such a crowded marketplace. So I'm curious to know um, just what's your take on, on all this um, as we figure out how to sell better online and, and just cut through the noise right now. Jonathan, right now, online world is at a position where it's, it's better than ever because, because of the uh, coronavirus, there's a lot of people that uh, had to, were forced to start shopping online. Yeah. So not only we had huge increases in, in certain categories, you know, if I mean, for those who were selling toilet paper online a couple of months ago, it was fantastic. Uh, but the future... Um, is very promising too because now the people that were forced to shop online for the last few months may like it and f see how easy it is. And now with technology these days, everything is a click of a button and then it gets delivered to your door the next day. Yeah. Uh, so the the baby boomers that you mentioned earlier, not all of them were shopping online and now they are. And they make yeah, I, 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 I'm totally with you. I think, you know, it takes, what, 21 days to make a habit. And so, like, we're um, just getting used to buying everything online. I mean, the only store I've been to um, has really been a grocery store. Mm. And we've been exploring, like, I, I read that um, that's ticking up, too, where more and more people are buying groceries online. And so I think that's going to be a huge business as well, um, is the online grocery stuff. Yeah. I just think it's going to really grow. Um, I think yeah, that would be big. I don't know what you've seen on that, if anything. There's a, a, a shopping app and site that I personally use here, uh, Instacart, and there's no ad, no advertising for them, but Instacart, as of right now, here where I am, we get same-day delivery of your groceries. Uh, so you pick what you want. They go to the store that you want. They buy it for you and drop it at your door. And and that's it. So all the payment is done through the app. It's like Uber for grocery shopping. Uh, it's exactly that. And I get same day delivery here. So I mean, it's so easy. And for you know, for a twenty dollar tip, uh, it's it's I mean, it's a no brainer. I just keep doing it. And and you know, as you said earlier, it, it takes sometimes twenty one days to make a habit. It also could be done uh, 21 days or a great experience. Mm -hmm. So if you have a great experience the yeah. first time, like, oh, man, I'm going back. So that, uh, that can create a habit is because you, you keep getting good experiences. So, yeah, th there is, like you said, there's a lot of noise in the online world because there's a lot of uh, strong brands. There's a lot of startup brands. There's millions of sellers. Uh, a lot of them selling the, the you know, a Me Too product, like the, the same thing with a different brand. Right. Uh, and, and I think that's the distinction right there is not having the Me Too product, kind of building a brand around it and not just looking for today's sales, looking for tomorrow. Um, that, that's what kind of is going to differentiate everybody. Yeah, I think, and with that point, uh, something I wanted to mention earlier is just that for the audience that... Um, is still 
listening to us and wondering, you know, isn't it too late um, for this recession planning stuff? I do think we're probably going to see a second wave mm -hmm. of the coronavirus. Um, I'm just I'm worried about the fact that there, with the protests, for example, yes. um, we're getting so many people together in close proximity. Um, I'm I'm watching the the videos. Not everybody's wearing a mask in those situations. Mm -hmm. So. I do think um, that it's likely, or in the fall when more people are indoors again, um, I think we could see a second wave there. But I think for the entrepreneurs in the audience, it's just thinking through, look, the first time, most of us did not have a recession plan. You know, I'm a, a recession expert, so I had one, but very few people that I talked to have the recession plan. But everybody who's listening to this can get one for the next wave of the coronavirus. And then even if you're you know, shaking your head and you don't agree with me on that, uh, there's a lot of non-economic recessions, Quinn. I mean, you've been in business for a while, so you know this, but yeah. if your biggest customer leaves, you're in a recession. Oh, yeah. Or if your best couple employees leave and they go start a competing business, you're in a recession. Or if you find out somebody embezzled uh, money from you, that'll probably put you in a recession too. So all of those are non-economic reasons um, for everybody to just have their recession plan because the recession plan is the same regardless of what puts you into the recession. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, Jonathan, before I let you go, there's one more thing I want to know. How does one get an awesome testimonial from Peter Diamantis on the book? So, uh, Peter actually runs a group um, for entrepreneurs and leaders. Um, and so, Paul, my co-author, is part of that group. Yeah. And so every uh, year they do a big conference and they do a lot of virtual events as well. And so through that, Paul got to know Peter. And uh, when we uh, finished the book and sent him the advanced copy, that's what we got back from him. Wow. Nice. That's such a social proof right there. Well, we were so, uh, yeah, we were so uh, jacked up about it that we put it on the cover, which I know is unusual. But um, Paul and I were so uh, thankful that he hmm. took the time and gave it to us that we couldn't help ourselves. I, I would have done the same. I, no doubt. It's <laughs> social you. proof. Yeah. And I learned from yeah, you know, human behavior towards purchasing. Social proof is very important, right? Agreed. So, Jonathan, for people that want to hear more about you and deal with you besides recession.com, that one is very easy. Is there any, any other place you wanted to check out? No, I think all my contact info is on recession.com. My email address is just jonathan at recession.com. So that's uh, the best way to get uh, in touch with me. Uh, if they want to take a look at the consulting side of what I do in the traction piece, that's at autobondconsultants.com but all of that's also available through recession.com as well. And then if the audience wants um, to grab a copy of our workbook um, or other materials, that's all on recession.com. And I'm happy to send you uh, a coupon code we can put in the show notes um, for, uh, for people that also want to do that and, and get a few bucks off. Will do. And so for everybody listening, I'll have that on the show notes. And of course, for those that uh, won't check the show notes, it's very easy to remember. It's recession.com and you'll get everything there. Jonathan, thank you so much for the, the chat today. It was a pleasure having you here. Thanks for having me. Rock on. Rock on. <laughs>